It's episode 171 of the Improv London podcast. I'm your host, Stuart Moses, and this week's guest is Dean Harris. Hello, hello. Hello, hello, hello. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Tell me about the wallflowers. Mm, the wallflowers. Well, the wallflowers uh, began in Lancaster pre-pandemic. Uh, it began as four people, four original wallflowers, uh, and there's two of us left, two original people left, me and Darren Baxter, uh, who goes to the British Improv Project quite a lot. And we uh, we do a mixture of short form and long form, basically. So we started off pre-pandemic doing some shows in uh, Morecambe. I'm, I'm based in Lancaster, uh, northwest of England. But we did some shows in Morecambe at a place called the Morecambe Playhouse. And the person who runs that place, Matt Panesh, she was very kind enough to give us a platform for our shows. And it's a nice, intimate, intimate community theatre. Uh, and we really found our feet there, uh, got, got an idea of how to host shows and um, basically uh, work with the audience. And we, we did a combination of every show we did. Uh, we started off with um, long form which I believe is quite unusual. So we started with long form set, then we did uh, short form, basically. Um, so after the, after the pandemic, uh, I basically got it started again. Um, the two members had left. Uh, and so I was in that classic situation of kind of being an improv desert. And I had to get uh, just find people, basically. So I put on the, a series of free um, workshops, uh, totally free, and people just turned up. And then people who were interested, uh, we started rehearsing together on a regular basis. And over time, as as members leave, which is um, quite regular, actually, I found it's quite, um, you know, about a year, you, you tend to lose, it's goes in these yearly cycles. You know, we have some, say, students who join and, you know, they graduate and go off somewhere else. But yeah, we keep on adding to uh, the group as members leave. And every session, uh, I'm kind of the, I'm the coach for the group. So every session, the way it works is that we have um, warm-ups, series of warm-ups for about 20 minutes, half an hour. Then we play some short form games every week. Uh, then we'll we have a break, and then in the second half, we'll do some scene exercises, uh, and these will often be based around either game of the scene or um, a triangle of the scene. These are the technique that I really really like. Uh, and then we'll do uh, basically a long form set. So in the last half hour, so that's a great opportunity to do something like a montage or a Harold or something like that uh and I'll jump in at that point there's no there's no notes or anything and it's just about gelling together having fun uh so that's basically how uh, a session works um really yeah and that's that's really where we, we're up to fantastic so let's go back to the shows in Morecambe mm. you mentioned you start with long form and you said this is you, you said this was, was perhaps unusual please tell me more yes uh i'm wondering whether i got it the wrong way around now it's uh, before the pandemic it's i've had covid twice so maybe it's affecting my memory uh <laughs> but yeah yeah i've heard um conventional wisdom is that you start with start with short form and end with long form mm -hmm. i don't remember what we did we're doing it the wrong way around to conventional wisdom. I, I, I would say in general, yes, I would say that the, the conventional wisdom would be don't do long form first, maybe do short form first, sneak some long form into the middle. Oh, yeah. The, the end of some short form, I would say perhaps is conventional wisdom. I, I remembered why. I've just remembered why it's so long ago. Sorry, Stuart. 
it's because it was for kind of selfish reasons and also reasons with the audience. I think we're quite good at reading the audience that if you do before we launched into the long form set, we do things like the Meisner repetition exercise and our long form is very grounded. So we call the wallflowers for a reason. It's basically it started off as a group of introverted improvisers who are kind of understated and it's very grounded improv. And so we, we would do a warm up with, say, the Meisner exercise and get kind of emotionally connected. It's very hard to do that if you've just done a short form set, because, you know, you've done short form sets and it's you're buzzing and things like that. And I felt that we should end on a high, end on a big buzz, basically, um, and do the do the long form first. What's interesting, the audience, they... It depends on the audience. Are they sure? I think there are short form audiences and long form audiences, and I think they found it tough to watch both in one set. I think maybe it's easy with different teams that you'd have a short form team, then the audience has a break, and then they come back and do the long form. But because it was one team, it was us for for the benefit of the show. Yeah, we had to get ourselves grounded first, and we did some really nice long form sets, and then we did short form, um, and the short form went. Because it's a community thing. I remember at the end of one set, it, we want it cha- We want kind of controlled chaos. Uh, and I remember at the end of one set, I did the uh, classic rock, paper, scissors warm up that we often, we sometimes do at BIP, whereby um, you have uh, two members of the audience and they play rock, paper, scissors. And whoever the winner is, uh, the other person becomes their biggest supporter and then they find someone else to play. And then at the end, uh, basically, we had the whole theatre full of these two groups of people. Uh, at the beginning, I've told them to put the chairs away. So I got them to put the chairs away. We didn't have to do that. And I could hear drinks being knocked over and things like that. And we're in this tiny space, um, uh, probably a huge fire hazard, <laughs> this tiny space uh, packed full of people. And then at the end, we've got these two groups of uh, supporting these two pe- players playing rock, paper, scissors, and and when the one person won it was just electric like the whole place just lit up you know so you're getting the audience to play that yeah we've got the audience to play that so um was everyone keen to do that yeah yeah i i think that uh, I, I mean i tend to host the show so i think i'm pretty good at reading the audience it's, it's just purely organically really reading the audience getting the energy up responding i've got a quite kind of responsive to them um i have i haven't done stand up or anything like that but yeah everyone was everyone was happy to do that um uh some some people left after the long form set <laughs> so which is fine because it's not what they they were looking for short form you know but i think um you know, we've had some fantastic shows post-pandemic uh, where we've we've sold out twice now. Um, one, we, we rehearse at this place called the Squires Snooker Club. It's this function room up, upstairs. So um, I don't know what they thought in the quiet snooker room with us. We, we're directly next door uh, and we're, we're doing musical improv and uh, get, getting the audience to sing um uh, the lion sleeps tonight in groups and stuff like that. Wow! Uh, but uh, again, it's that feeling of controlled. It's that electric feeling of controlled chaos and putting love, like the, there's love in the wallflowers. That uh, it, 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 there's lots of different types of love, isn't there? But mm. if if they can see that, and you, there's a, there's a that saying be the love you want to feel in this world so you put that into the audience they give it you back it's like this synergy um and i think that's why we create kind of very special sort of atmosphere so we did one show at squires and we did another show at um a place called the herbarium in lancaster which has a very very different vibe to a function room in a snooker club it's more kind of it's a vegan place and we did kind of a, a valentine show there so all the shows were all the games were kind of romantically themed and i asked members of the audience see if there was a couple in the audience and we got really lucky i still remember their names chris and steph 
put up their hand and they're, they're actually engaged and they're heavily involved in helping us pick kind of locations. I think I have a romantic situation generated, which is a hundred romantic situations. And they, and they chose, uh, they chose one for diff different ones for different games. And at the end, basically um, we sit down and we have a little interview with them about their uh, early courtship, basically. And they had some brilliant, brilliant stories and me and Darren, uh, we basically acted out uh, the the story. And they have a, a horn and a bell. And if we kind of, in the right ballpark, they ring the bell. And if we kind of um, way off base, they ring, they honk the horn, ring the horn, ring the horn. They <laughs> ring that horn. I mean, I want to talk about the love. The love. The, the love in the room, the love in the yeah. group. And how that yeah that's my question yeah okay the, i can't define where it's come from but i think it's um you know when you get a band together and there's just that vibe that they've got i think i've been very fortunate you know i did this thing creating something from nothing um but i've got this faith in the universe basically i do a lot of meditation kind of like quietly spiritual but i got this faith that the people the right people will show up uh and they have and every person in the group that probably disagree with me but every person in the group i think they they um i mean improv has its place and you've got lots of other things in our lives but they needed improv at some level in their life Okay, just kind of obvious to say, but it's talking to the members. It's it's sort of some of them really needed. I, I think improv was exactly what they needed at that time in their lives, you know. And when people leave, it's like, okay, you're done. You're done with the improv for now, you know. They're like, yeah, I had a nice time, um, but yeah. So the what I'm trying to say, the wallflowers have that vibe, and um, the. The, the way I host, it's not like like a stand-up's kind of picking, might pick on the audience and things like that. But what I try and do is the audience, your wallflowers now, we're in this club and we're in this together and you've got as much of a stake in this show as we have and we're working together. And it's okay to be silly. We're going to be silly and we're going to invite you upstage to be silly. And, and we kind of get them from the start. They, they don't know what to expect uh, I remember at Squires, it was, um, uh, you know, it, it just got packed. The, the atmosphere was really electric. And then um, half, about half, you know, in the show, I noticed halfway through, um, there were some international students at the back. Um, uh, but I, kn I know there were some um, Chinese students who, who I know knew were coming from the, um, from the Lancaster University, basically. And... Uh, two of them they were like off their seats laughing they were slapping their thighs they were like pointing at us um uh, uh i've seen improv in beijing by the way um and it was kind of um, a group of westerners uh, and, a, and an entirely chinese almost entirely chinese audience i was in the audience but the, you know it's just that magic stuart i, I don't know so it, it's kind of that vibe and when I host, I just be myself. And sometimes I host with someone else and other people are interested in hosting now. And I'm confident they've got the vibe. They know they know what they're doing. So, yeah, it's about, you really feel it, Stuart. I really feel it coming back. And and that's kind of, this is positive spiral. You, you put it, it back into the audience, it comes back at you. And it, I think what's happening, it's sort of building in the show. It's this positive spiral. Uh, I'm doing things with my fingers that you won't be able to see on the podcast now but Stuart you're enjoying them aren't you tell me you're enjoying them please yeah, I'll double your, thumbs your object up work is on point sir right <laughs> yeah I don't know uh, does that answer is that anywhere close to giving you a picture of what's going on yeah I love I love the idea of yeah making the audience part of the part of the troop for the evening mm. and that that idea of the positive spiral of giving out positive energy and then getting positive energy back I think that's really yeah lovely. And you get you get them to sing the lion sleeps tonight. Yeah, uh, I actually saw that 
okay, I'll, I'll tell you that in a second. But yeah, the, the, there's different lines in the line sleeps tonight. So I split the audience into groups uh, and they sing different bits. But then line sleeps tonight, you can get them to sing together. Uh, and it all ends on like, Ooh, and like everyone, it's a great way to start the show. But I'm I just, I, I found, find musical improv terrifying. I've only just really been getting into it. But yeah, get the audience to start singing. That's uh, <laughs> in the beginning. That That's great. Yeah. So, uh, and I first saw that, would you believe in Beijing, where the troupe there, I think there are mainly Canadians, but they've got uh, the audience to to sing Lion Sleeps Tonight. I don't know if they've even heard Lion Sleeps Tonight, you know. <laughs> well, I thought, yeah, this is this is brilliant. This is absolutely brilliant what they're doing. So that sounds amazing, but it also sounds like a really confident move. <laughs> because I would be worried. I think I think probably if you've got the audience to sing, if you're going to split them into parts and get them to sing the Lion Sleeps Tonight, and that mm. works. The rest of the show is going to be brilliant, or it's going to be relatively <laughs> straightforward. But for me, I would be worried that like none of the audience would do any singing. I, I, I've got it. I've got yeah. So this is the other thing where I think as a host, you've got to throw things away on the fly. And mm -hmm. I've actually I curate the show. I've done flat shows in the past, but we'll curate it and go. Okay, this needs to be a bit shorter, and we need to just put in the winners because the flat ones might the longer ones might not go down so well. So we just need to end on a high and then get out of here. Uh, so I am telling them, we've, we've had some amazing shows, but I'm telling my, trying to say to my troupe, don't give up improv if you do a bad show or even a, an average show. You know, it's, uh, we know what we're doing, but it's, uh, yeah, just, just that's the way it goes. Fantastic. Um, you mentioned as a way of recruiting people to the Wallflowers, you did free workshops. Yeah. I think that's really interesting because I worry that if you offer something for free, people won't value it. Please discuss. <laughs> I think we did, we did all right. Lancaster's not a big place. Um, there's not a huge amount going on like that at all um i don't know there's some there's acting classes that go on what do they charge about 12 pounds a session um so um yeah i think i don't know i haven't got a, a huge bunch to say about it but we we got in terms of numbers each session about eight to ten wow you know so uh, and i do advertise it through facebook so that people are aware i think that's the only way posters don't really work around here anyway you've um a lot a lot of the wallflowers is is very it's very kind of local focused which is fine that's all i've got the time and energy for really unfortunately it's not to be insular and thank thank goodness there's things like bip i can go to to broaden my horizons you know um uh so yeah, that they come through, and the the problem with the just move on to another point is is with the turnover, is that I'm very very keen to get uh, people in a position where they feel like they can coach and teach as well, because uh, um, I just think it's healthy. It's it's just very healthy, but it's kind of a lot of people. Most people in the Wallflowers at the moment are just happy to kind of go along for an hour, have some fun um you know you and i we do a lot of we thinking about improv let's face face it and it just pops into our head and we enjoy that i guess that's but when i started out yeah i wasn't like that and say bip i wouldn't have been interested in going to bip um we the wallflowers they're not even that interested in doing shows particularly so we find it a bit so we we, we only do a few shows a year if that so it's not really so it's giving you a sense of where we get our enjoyment from. It's coming together as a group and doing something fun and having a shared interest. And that's like if you join an astronomy club or you do uh, bridge or, you know, uh, if you get any group of people in a room and they all like the same thing, good things tend to happen, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, we, we do. Um, 
the sessions uh we do have to charge for them to cover the room and other costs and things like that you know but uh we try and keep i think other groups do that so we try and keep the costs down but the good news i want to give a shout out to darren baxter who's re recently taking some of the workshops from bip and is doing the darren baxter improv masterclass series at the moment taking us up to christmas and i just i think darren's doing an absolutely brilliant job um and he's and what's great he's one of the original wallflowers and he's different to me he's different to the way i teach and i think that's great i think that's fantastic and he's got his own perspectives and i get to have fun as well in his session so so yeah i'm all for i'm all for that so if anyone's out there who uh in lancaster or preston or blackpool even uh and you want to get in touch um uh and teach please do please do because we're uh yeah notoriously bad at social media and promotion and things like that so <laughs> let's talk about the the british improv project which uh happens twice a year and in, in staffordshire at the moment so is is darren is darren's master classes what he taught what he learned at the latest bip and he's then translating it to the wallflowers yeah it, it's great this is what I think this is the idea, isn't it? The coaches and teachers say, take it back to your groups and try them out. And we're just the classic, we're we're not a big group. We don't tour or anything like that. And this this is a great opportunity for us to broaden our horizons. And, you know, I teach what I teach and that's through my lens. But, what, you know, what's interesting is I've been to some of the sessions that Darren, the workshops that Darren's taken. And what's really interesting, I think you've said this before, that he's teaching them through his lens. And even it's maybe some things, when I teach a workshop, maybe I forget some things. You know, famously some exercises are when somebody walks through on the way to the toilet, walks through a rehearsal space and they're kind of half hear what an exercise is. And then they come up with a new exercise. So it's through his perspective and his lens. And I, I love his perspective and the way he approaches things. So. Yeah, so that, that that's what's kind of interesting. We've been doing the same thing. I'm running improv classes on Monday nights in Reading. And the Monday night after BIP, there were four of us that had been. And I'm said, well, let's let's just talk about, you know, what workshops did we take? And, you know, what, what did we learn? What can we share with the rest of the group? Hmm. And I deliberately got other people to teach what they'd learned, because that's a great way to learn it, is to then teach it to somebody else. Plus, yeah. you have a bit of a sit down, and that's always a lovely thing. Is that completely open to the public, or is it? Um, no, <laughs> it's not. Uh, obviously, it's open to any listeners of the Improv London podcast. Please. <laughs> um, so, no, we the genesis of this was I did some free classes for the Sunday Alternative. Yeah, which is a um, non-religious um group that come together to benefit from some of the aspects of community that religious organizations have without bringing religion into it and i went along to some of those sessions and apparently i was talking about improv find that hard to believe but apparently that was the case and the organizer asked me if i'd like to run a session on improv and it kind of snowballed from there so mm. a lot of the people that come along to my classes now are from the sunday alternative or you know i've met them through um, you know some people came along from previous bips and things like that so although I am open to new people, we've got enough. We've got, say, 12 or 13 mm. as, a, as a core that well, I don't need to advertise for new people. I'd love to meet new people. And I love getting new people into improv, but that kind of advertising, that sort of admin is the bit that drains me the most. Mm. Prepared I can do, relate. I'm prepared to do it because if I, if I don't do it, improv doesn't happen mm. but, you know anything any advertising or anything like that i don't have to do it's just you know a real bonus yeah absolutely i mean i i do minimal social media personally speaking i don't like social media um so i stay well away from it i don't think it's, it's just a personal thing it doesn't do me any any good it doesn't add anything to my life basically but yeah promotion we have a wallflowers page. I would dearly love someone to run <laughs> to the Facebook admin. Uh, so if there's anyone out there in Preston or Blackpool, please get in touch. So yeah, yeah, that, that'd be good. But yeah, yeah, tw 
it's it's really nice. It's field of dream stuff, isn't it? Creating something from nothing. So that's what you did. That's what I did. That's what a lot of people have done, you know. And and with the wallflowers, you know, there's somebody left the wallflowers to form their own group. So which is great. And I take no credit for that. That's all, that's all off uh, that person's back, you know. But um, we're going to have two, two, three teams in Lancaster now, which is great. And I'm thinking of what I'd love to do is kind of have a jam, set up a jam now and again, so we can all get together um, and, and play with each other. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I would really love that if that happened in Reading, because I don't want to be um, the weak link, you know, mm. I, want to, I want there to be a, an improv scene in Reading that exists beyond what I do. Mm. So yeah, if other groups are created and they can put on nights and all that sort of thing, then I think that's really brilliant. So you um, earlier on you mentioned you mentioned the triangle of the scene. That's, uh, mm. that's an interesting concept. Tell me about that. Uh, yes, that is. Um, I I love very practical mechanisms in improv, and I like things that you have to practice. So I'm a great believer in practice that you won't necessarily get things right first time. You have to work at it. So the the triangle of the scene, um, you can refer to the book by Paul Valancourt. And basically, I've got the book here. Yes, yes, great. I've got the book here. You've got a copy. That's great. Um, Paul Valancourt's got a great YouTube series, but it's like, Maybe we'll get on to talking about UC, the UCB game of the scene style later, but he's got a methodology. And if you think he's, he, all of his videos and everything he talks about is all centered around this methodology. So if you, if you look at acting, you know, you've got Meisner or you've got, uh, which kind of method acting technique and, um, uh, and there's others as well. But if you look at Oscar winners, basically a high proportion of them have gone through one of these key uh, method acting schools. So you can see the, you know, I'm a physicist. You can see the results there. I can see the evidence that this is a highly tech. So this triangle, the scene, I tend to use this to teach people long form for the first time. And I really like it. So the way it works is that we talk about UCB game of the scene. UCB doesn't really, adopt this which is why i like it it's kind of something totally disparate but it's uh valancourt gives the uh example of friends where you've got ross is the nerdy one chandler's a sarcastic one joe is the dumb one and basically every scene in friends or every episode it's just each of those characters playing their game doing some sort of activity so valancourt gives the example of um making um peanut and jelly sandwiches um, so Ross is like going to be really nerdy about it and he's going to be having his ruler out and measuring everything. And then Joe is going to be, uh, really slapdash about it and mashing the bread together saying, I'm going to, I'm going to get 10, uh, I'm going to get 10 slices of bread and dip it in the tea, in the jam. And, uh, you see what I mean? And, and smother it with be So it's, um, what I like about it is that what what i what i believe one of the things i teach is that emotion is the way into character emotion is character and it's okay lots of other people that are kind of no you need the uh, voice and you need the walk and you need the thing but i my having done a lot of narrative improv as well is that emotion is is the way in and people and that forces the players to have a relationship and this technique because it's a kind of um the triangle is kind of what i'm doing one side what you're doing the other side and what we're doing about it so um you know ross is being uh nerdy joe is being dumb and they're making uh, jam sandwiches and it's there's so many things work in that kind of that's show don't tell make it about the relationship uh and it just kind of works and it's a special out of all the games it's something ucb doesn't really it's something they're kind of more discovering the the, the community who play game it, it, game is this thing on the outside this unusual thing oh you've painted your car in fluorescent yellow but what i love about triangle of the scene is it's about the relationship and it's about character game 
So I think of it of its own special game that you can't really get to with necessarily with the with the game of the scene technique. Um, uh, I'm sure lots of people will say, disagree with me, but um, yeah, that, but yeah, that's that's what I love about that. It's about relationship, and it's funny. It is funny, like like people like Friends, and it's Friends is, and all they have to do every episode, they've earned millions of dollars just running that game over and over and over again, you know. Um, so I've been in touch with Paul about potentially because we we practice. I was saying about practice, we practice and practice and practice in the Wallflowers, and it's very satisfying because the the difficult things, you know, to really master something, you have to practice. I think uh, I'm not a big fan of moving on to different. There's a few methodologies that we've got and we practice that and try and master it. Uh, so I, that's kind of another feature of the Wallflowers. But what I'd like to do is um, I've been in touch with Paul, uh, basically, uh, and he's re really generous with his time and he's been um, uh, talking to me about, you know, which which exercises are best and how to teach it and things like that. So I think I've got a handle on it over time. Um, and I, I think the next BIP, what I'd like to do is is bring it to BIP if, well, of course, it's an application process, but at some point in the future, I'd love to bring that workshop to BIP uh, so that other people have the tools. It's kind of um, how do we get people into long form? I started off, um, uh, uh, I don't, there's too much history there to talk about my improv history, but I started off doing long form very unconventional route into it uh and this thing where i don't think it's true you know people have to do short form before they do long form that's not that's not true. i think that's an outdated concept now um but the triangle of the scene is one of the kind of meisner technique of improv along with game of the scene you know it's highly if it it's art though, isn't it? So there's no, as a physicist, there's no fundamental theory, unified theory, grand th unified theory of improv. But I think that's a, there's just techniques and this is a good technique um, that, we, that we drill with, you know, so. Um, I 100% I agree. And I think that would be a really strong um, pitch for the British Improv Project. Um, for those that haven't attended, the way the system works is that you book on the weekend and then you pitch, you know, a couple of things that you'd like to run. And then if you get selected, you get a, a rebate on, on the ticket price that you've um, paid. So, yeah, I'd definitely come along to that. I think that sounds a really great pitch. And I also agree that you don't need to start with short form, not at all. Right, right. Um, what I'm teaching at the moment is scenes. I'm doing scenic work first because my big theory is that actually short form is super hard. And you're doing a hell of a lot of stuff. You're in front of the audience, often for the first time ever. You're attempting to play some sort of scene. And then overlaid on top of that scene, you're playing the alphabet game or you're playing party quirks or something like that. So there's a whole lot of stuff there going on. So mm. the way I've approached it is, first of all, I get them to stand in front of an audience and do nothing. Literally for a minute, they do nothing just to get people standing in front of an audience. Because I think if you've done improv for a while, it's easy to forget that most people are terrified of standing in front of an audience. It's one of the most stressful things that people can do. And then I get them, I build up slowly, I get them maybe to tell a, a one minute story, a true story about their life or something like that. And then we do scenes. And then once they've done scenes, then we can start adding the complexity of a short form um, game on top of the scene. And then we can start, you know, making that longer and, and doing things like that. So, um, yeah, I don't think you need to start with short form at all. Mm. Um, so you're, you're a big fan of kind of the UCB approach then? Yeah, I, I've got to say up front that I've done narrative. So I'm, I'm a big fan of, um, I think a good improviser should be able to be versatile and be able to do everything. So I started in narrative and I want to say, I, I love that. And um, just, Short form, I love as well. If you want to absolutely bring the house down, just get in everybody. And it's for everybody. You know, you can fill that room with your taxi drivers, your cleaners, your teachers, your every everybody, every UMPs, and they're all going to laugh at short form. You can bring the house down, you know, and the, and kind of, it's kind of, 
people are like, did you invent this? No, we didn't invent this. <laughs> kind of like Europe, that's amazing. So, um, so and game of the scene. So I think different camps are guilty of, some people are guilty of kind of just stick saying this is the answer. I don't, I don't believe, I want to say that up front. And UCB uh, particularly can be kind of uh, a little bit, um, we, they, they have, by their own admission, they haven't trained in other theatres, but it is a brilliant community. Um, so the game of the scene technique, um, you, you, you've got the UCB manual, and it basically takes you through an algorithm. I like to think of it, I don't think people have said this, but as, as, as a kind of very slightly complicated, actually some short form games are more complicated, but it's basically a short form game. I think, in terms of a scene, how you structure the scene, you start off establishing the base reality. You wait for the first unusual thing. The other person frames that unusual thing and says, yes, I would like to play with that game. You play with that game by essentially telling the same funny thing over and over. You do that in ways by exploring it, which is basically justifying why you believe that and heightening, so taking it to the next level. Uh, and then you end on a big laugh. So I, th I think of it kind of, uh, it's a very useful algorithm. And and with all these things, what is it for? Uh, you know, what's the aim here? And I think it's important to keep that in mind that um, they're very, and they're very, you, you, I'd say game of the scene, you know, we talk about Meisner, yeah. uh, we talk about uh, Strasbourg, all the Oscar winners that come from that game of the scene. Uh, is a very effective technique, uh, basically. And the, the goal is, say, a lot of people from UCB have ended up writing sketches for SNL. And if you watch an SNL sketch, you'll see it follows game quite closely. And there's lots of people from UCB or game of the scene technique in, in more kind of when UCB was really at its height, you know, in the early noughties and 2010s. Um, but say, uh, yeah, it, it, it's really, really that technique uh, that, that's useful. And people have, you know, the move from New York to L.A. and people out of UCB have got, got massive success. Like Amy Polo was one of the UCB four. Um, you've got um, Jason Manzukas, Aubrey Plaza. So when you're in kind of that community, Adam McKay, the famous film director, um, when you're in that community, you, you sort of see the the art that people are producing and the threads from UCB. It's not just threads. It's like, and what's really cool about this community is that they'll still go back to teach. There might be huge stars, but they still go back and they believe in it and they love it. And there's a lot of passion uh, in the community and it, can, can, it gets really um, infectious. So, so I'm not with UCB. I don't. I didn't train with UCB uh, over the pandemic. I trained with um, Will Hines, who a lot of people know. Uh, he set up his own improv school, world's greatest improv school. So that's the person I train with. I went through the levels, and and it's kind of an improv grad school. So if you you know the names from UCB, and they're all kind of teaching, and there's kind of sets on YouTube you can watch. Um, so yeah, it gives you a picture. It, it it's kind of it's it's a huge community. It's a huge community, but um, the, and they've got their own ideas about it. And I think it is very very effective way of if you want to be funny, not funny, I should say. If you want to create a sketch, and yeah, it it is the aim is comedy to generate comedy. Um, uh, I, I but just to loop it back around, that's not to say I like making uh, people. In the audience cry with pathos when i did narrative you know i absolutely love that you know and, and that was as important to me as as generating comedy but yeah hopefully that's given you kind of a picture of what it's about yeah yeah great so you were you were studying uh with will hines and his organization yeah you also were teaching during lockdown yeah i've started teaching recently with an organization called the Radical Agreement Project. Um, so uh, one of the founders, um, they used to teach at UCB. Um, so it, it, he, over the pandemic, he decided to have a free workshop every single workday 
And he kept that up. And it's only half an hour, I think, originally. And he kept that up for years, basically. But now he's asked other people to uh, get involved, basically. Uh, and sometimes we teach free the free workshops, so we kind of spread the load. But um, I, most recently, uh, w what I've done is teach short form, short form course, which is um, just show my kind of, um, I'm not really uh, kind of pledge my allegiance to any one camp, but um, I, I, I was, I was, told uh, yeah sure go ahead and do it and yeah they're having great fun learning short form these people who in that kind of in the radical agreement project you typically be learned doing scenes a bit like the way you're teaching and doing game of the scene um but what i'm trying to do during the short form course is always link back to that game of the scene methodology and all those lessons in there and it definitely can make this is why i like versatile improvisers you know you can I love watching long form improvisers who haven't done short form in years do short form. And it won't be the way that short form improvisers do it, but it's really, really interesting to me and it's fun. It's really good. So, uh, yeah, um, maybe, maybe that's, uh, uh, that maybe that's a format <laughs> we can, we can explore. That'd be fun anyway. Yeah. Steve Rowe has said, you know, it's all improv basically. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah just all improv and you know the skills that you learn when you do short form you can use in long form and the skills that you use learn in long form you can use in short form it's mm. improv, and it's, but, uh, online improv the great thing about it is that it open i would have never had the opportunity to have uh, i loved the ucb technique but you really need training need training in it and it is that people who do it, they do take it quite seriously and they do believe in the training. You've got to complete your training. You have to practice. And it, it says right at the start of the UCB manual, the ir irony is to do comedy, you need to get serious about it. So there's some very driven people. It's kind of, uh, I'm in an online team at the moment through uh, World's Greatest Improv School. And yeah, we took, we've got a coach and we talk about kind of, did we hit the game? Do we find the game? Do we heighten the game? That sort of thing but it, it it's interesting that pre-pandemic maybe that people went to the states didn't they and we've heard this story many times and brought back what they experienced and that's great and they've done a brilliant job uh through their lens you know br bringing that back to the uk uh you know this kind of essentially american art form and bringing it back to the uk and making it ours making it kind of how can from a british sensibility our sense of humor our cultural uh landscape how can you know what does that look like but th with the online improv i someone say i can access that directly go to the source and then but it's always through my lens so through my lens i'm teaching the wallflowers about the game of the scene and i've got my ideas about what's important and what's not but I think it's just made it more open, if you see what I mean. Mm -hmm. So we've got strands of people. We've had people direct from UCB, you know, like Jason Perez set up Glasgow Improv Theatre, very much from a UCB background, free association in London. But it, it, look at the FA, that's even evolved away. And I think it's great. I think it's very healthy for the for the art form to kind of people to take it through their lens and 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 just um have different points of view you know so i don't know what do you make of that do you do, did you do many online classes over the pandemic yes, yes. um uh yeah it was a fantastic opportunity to not only learn from teachers around the world that you would not normally get the chance to learn with but also to play with people from around the world mm. yeah it was it was a really it was a terrible time but it was a beautiful experience a terrible time <laughs> Um, talking of beautiful experiences in terrible time, you mentioned mm. that you were in the class that I ran for Liverpool Comedy Improv, and I oh, corrected yes. you on something, which seems rude, but there you are. Oh yeah, I did. Um, no, it was brilliant. I love being. Um, I love getting things wrong uh, because it's a gift, and I've used this lesson a lot. So, I think it, in the pre-chat, uh, I got I got a word wrong. What was it? What was it? I said. And you said, uh, 
Um, I oh, can't remember. I pretend the pre-chat doesn't exist. You're letting people behind the curtain. I love, I love, I love breaking your form. I want to talk about the headshots later as well because everyone's got a brilliant headshots and all of mine are awful. But <laughs> uh, is everyone? Do you, is is a professional photographer? Is that included in this? They can take a headshot off me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they'll, be, good. they'll be around in the next couple of minutes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, um, yeah. So we would. I'd forgotten the word risotto in a scene, <laughs> uh, and I said big bowl of wet rice <laughs> and i tend to forget words now and again um uh so and then at the end well the rest the, the, during that set people picked up on was saying wet bowl big bowl of wet rice a lot and it just turned into something very funny so it's where you make a mistake and i tend to do that uh, a bit by accident you know um uh yeah, it was just, you said silent majority and and I said something else. Uh the satisfied masses or something. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh yeah. I think uh, if you could just shadow me during my day job when I say things that just like help me out, <laughs> that'd be good. Because people are genuinely bemused by what I'm saying uh sometimes. It is it is hard though, especially uh, you know when you're performing or you know whatever to you know remember all the words. But as you say, you know a wet bowl of rice is hugely much more entertaining than a risotto. So uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, please teach me a game that either you've invented or you've adapted or that you particularly love. One that I love is a warm up. Um, it's kind of a two-parter. So one is where you give two people in this, one gives a really mundane line uh, and the other person has a totally over-the-top emotional reaction to it. Uh, and then the other person puts a label on it, label, frames their emotional reaction. And then we get that kind of handshake. Uh, and then the scene goes from there. That, that kind of forces a justification so it might be kind of, um, I put the advent calendar up. What? You put the advent calendar up? What? What's wrong with you? It's like, oh, you seem very, uh, very angry about that. And then it might go, well, you know, you know, I don't believe in the concept of time, <laughs> you know, so it, it gets on it. I love it because it's got justification, some emotion there. Uh, and it's about the relationship. So that that's one exercise. I do that as a warm up. Um, really like that one another one is kind of uh somebody says a salutation but they have a certain tone behind it so it might be like hi or hey or how's it going or so you know something that's meaningless and then the other person acknowledges it uh and kind of puts some context on it so so it might be like hey and the other person might be like, "Oh, you, you sound a bit flat. You know, is it the uh, is it the TED talk that we're about to do? That you know, because I'm going to be out there with you. I'll be there with you every step of the way." And be like, "Yeah, I just feel like uh, I feel like I'm saying most I feel guilty because I'm saying most most of the stuff. I'm reading out most of the slides." The other person might be like, "Well, I'll be right there with you." So you've got you know, I, I quite like that too. Just get a connection between people so uh that's not mine that's not mine that's just one i love fantastic fantastic yeah. two big questions to finish with mm. what could somebody do to delight you if they stepped on stage of you what could they do to delight you right um uh i've, I've yeah i got a special love for like connection in scenes and relationships and this is nothing to do with you know the game of the scene or being funny so what the way someone can delight me is we we start off the scene grounded and we build a relationship and we've got a real emotional connection between us a real uh relationship going and the scene goes on and on and we're building that you can feel that kind of uh elastic band stretching between us it's not a bad thing it doesn't mean we're having an argument it might there is some connection and right at the end, the other person say that they're on the way out, 
you know, maybe they're leaving or it, it, whatever the scenario is, it's kind of the last line. They'll say something. We'll go, we might go from, say, pathos or something quite emotionally intense, and then they'll say something funny and it will bring the house down. I've seen that. I've had that a few times. Uh, it wasn't always, wasn't me, always me, but it's like that elastic band of tension and we're pulling it and the audience, it's like they're, they're leaning in, they're leaning in. Um, but the joke, the joke is not kind of contrived. It's just from the situation and it's, re it's real. I love kind of as grounded, being as grounded as possible, you know? So that's really, um, you know, I started off doing narrative with, um, uh, Katie Bateson, who's runs, we are improv. She's based in Lancaster too. Uh, so yeah, I've got a real affinity to narrative improv and and that sort of grounded relationship type of scene work fantastic and the big final question what's your signature move what's the thing you do that saves the day brings down the house and has everyone going classic dean <laughs> classic dean ah um signature move it's sort of we, you know, we might be doing short form, we might be doing long form, but what happens, it's just that that one liner sometimes just kind of, it, it's, it's pretty generic, but it's it pops into my head and it, it's kind of, if the scenes, it's spotting that opportunity to say something funny, basically. And uh, what happens, I get like, it's a real, it's kind of a physical reaction. I get kind of a tingling uh, and it doesn't even crystallize in my head. It's not like I'm reading from a script, but it just sort of comes out my mouth. And I think this is the right time to say it. And it, and it, and it's, so I like to think that uh, um, I can't deliver that all the time, <laughs> but like those times when there's sometimes when we've needed it and it's just the right time spotting the funny spotting the funny basically so that's i'd say that's a signature move fantastic yeah. the only thing i have now to say to you is thank you for being a guest on the improv london podcast thank you so much Stuart. i made this that's improv <laughs>